In the church, crisis occurs when we lose sight of God's leading. In a world filled with the darkness of sin, it is God's leading that lights our way. When we leave the presence of God and lean on our own understanding, we find ourselves in crisis. God's leading is a choice. We can choose to walk in light though there is darkness around us, or choose to wander in crisis, praying for deliverance we choose not to recognize. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Well, welcome everyone to Sabbath School University, and I am here with three awesome guests, but I won't introduce them. I'll let you introduce yourselves to the world, and we will start on my far left, your right. Um, my name is Marcellus. Is there anything else you'd like to know? <laughs> sure, Marcellus, favorite color? Uh, I don't have one. I like, I like variety. Okay, Marcellus has no favorite color. What about you? Oh, my name is John Davis, and my favorite color is true blue. Awesome, awesome. My name is Evelyn Torres, and I like a variety of, of colors as well. I like pink, green, foresty colors. Okay, green and blue and variety of colors. Awesome, well, it's a pleasure to have all of you on. And Evelyn, uh, since you were the last person to introduce yourself, we'll have you read the memory text for us okay. and then pray. Our memory text is found in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Let's bow our hearts to pray. Notre Père, notre Dieu, merci pour tout ce que nous a donné. Merci pour l'opportunité de voir votre lection. Être nos tous en votre nom. Amen. Amen, amen. So we are currently in the middle of this whole series here on Jeremiah, this weeping prophet, as some people uh, like to call him. And the topic for today's lesson is called uh, the crisis. Crisis continues. So uh, before we get into it, a quick story. I bought a lemon. So not an actual fruit lemon, right. but uh, for some of you who may understand uh, in American terms, a lemon is a term for a bad sale for a car. So a few years ago, I was going off to college and uh, I made a sale with a guy on a website and I was excited and I shouldn't have done it, but I was excited anyway. And so I purchased this car and the, the, the bill of sale did not have his name on it. Matter of fact, there was what was called an odometer rollback. And so I couldn't get the registration for this car. And uh-oh, I was in an actual crisis, right? So that was a crisis uh, in today's context. But if you jump back to Jeremiah's time, uh, what was the context there? Actually, before we do that, let's talk about uh, what you would define a crisis to be. Well, I think for me, a crisis is a situation that requires an immediate response. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it could be something really large, like you know, a national, a natural disaster, or it could be something small, like in your situation. Or I won't say your situation was small, but oh, it was not small <laughs> at all. It wasn't, but it's smaller on that scale. That it's something that. Personally, you need to deal with right now. You, you can't take time to do anything else until you deal with this issue. Mm, so you're in a state of immediacy. Okay, anyone else? State of emergency. State of emergency, okay. Anyone else? Uh, I don't know that I have a definition. I like your definition a lot, um, but although I don't know that it, 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 it applies to my crisis. Crisis? I don't know. Crisis? Um, but like, yeah, most of mine are ongoing. Like, they've been 
like anxiety since I was, since I found out about Christ, which is as long as I can remember, mm. to now. Like I've always been struggling with like, what am I supposed to be doing, Lord? Like I don't, I don't know. Like, and just trying to find Him. That's a crisis to me. Um, but I really like your definition. It, it seems really poignant. Okay. So we've all been through some kind of crisis, you know. Um, it might not be a car, uh, like in my situation, but there was a situation there where the nation of Israel was actually in a crisis and they may not even have known it. And so God sends this messenger to them, Jeremiah, who had to remind them that they were called to be separate and different. But what, do you, what does it mean to you to, to be separate and different. What, what does that mean? Well, I think for me, being separate and different is understanding that, yes, we live in the world, you know, we, we have things that go around, going around us, but the Bible says, you know, we're to be the salt of the earth. So we're not supposed to be the same thing that everyone else is. So if the world is saying, hey, go left, that doesn't mean we should go left. We have to be different. We have to be purposeful in our intent and understanding that, no, we're not like everyone else that Christ, you know, by accepting Christ, we're called to be more than just, than, than just the typical person. We have to go and spread the word and spread the good news and the light that comes with it. So we have to purpose our, our lives around that difference and understanding that you know, from the way we interact with people, what we do in our free time, and understanding that the appearance of, of the things that we do can affect someone else. And so being separate, we have to know that so that we don't fall into those traps of doing things and someone else who doesn't know Christ looks at us and goes, oh, they're no different than the person over to my left, when in reality, we should be different, as the Bible says. Hmm. So accepting Christ automatically creates separation is what I'm hearing. Well, it should begin the process of creating separation. It does take some time. You know, it's not a light switch that will always just come on and all of a sudden you're, you're separate. It's a state of mind. So it's a continuing every morning waking up knowing I've got to be, I'm, I'm different. I'm not the same as everyone else. And so it's, it's a mental state. Hmm. So what do you think was going on in Jeremiah's mind now? I'm really trying to figure this out. You know, it seems like uh, the people at that time strayed so far from God that they almost forgot that they were separate. They were almost in danger, I believe, of separating themselves from God. You know, God was almost at a point where you know, there was some separation there because he was so um, hurt and broken. Uh, anyone else would like to expound on, on separation and, and, and being different? What do you think Jeremiah meant when he was trying to send this message out to the nation? I, oh, go ahead, Marcel. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because um, I'm not still, I just, did we... Are we talking about the specific verse that we read, that message? There is a in general, there him is being a, like, Babylon's and Assyria are going to come and destroy Jerusalem. Right, well, there's several Israel. verses. I mean, there was a verse here in Jeremiah 10, if you actually want to go there as well. And we can actually have, uh, well, we won't read it. It's a pretty long verse. It goes from Jeremiah 10 chapters, um, sorry, verses 1 through 15. And he pretty much talks about, you know, he starts out by saying, do not learn, you know, the way of the Gentiles. Uh, you know, you have to turn away from idols. Worship. Right, so there's a lot of idol worship, and you see the themes of idolatry and them worshiping other gods appear several times in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, well, in that case, then the separation is easy because, um, well, from a Christian perspective, obviously not from a non-Christian perspective because it all just seems like foolishness from a Gentile perspective. But from a Christian perspective, the difference is 
our God is alive. Like every, all the other gods weren't. Like they just, they're, they make them with their hands. That's what he's getting at. And, but your God is living. Um, hmm. And that's different, <laughs> you know. Um, and that would be the biggest separation to me. So I like that. You said our God is alive while you're saying other gods are alive. I didn't say that, but okay. you can say it. <laughs> That's it's true. Okay, so uh, what are some things that, if we're not careful, uh, we come to trust more than we should? You know, we we heard about you know people of Jeremiah worshiping idols in those days, but do we tend to have idols in our day? And if so, what could some of those idols be? I think some of those idols can be false prophets or even you know people who follow a preacher too closely. I, I mean, I've seen the examples. Uh, not just in the media, but also just churches that split just because a pastor can't agree with, with something else that occurs and the church totally divides and they choose to follow after a pastor instead of following after Christ and following their own relationship with God. Um, also, the opinions of, of you know, celebrities, you know, becomes one. If the celebrities say, you know, or just social media, that's a big one now. Mm. You know, the, the opinion of social media drives what a lot of what people think. Sometimes, in fact, you hear the stories of how people get into these challenges in social media that are unsafe just because I think there was one that called a fire challenge recently where, you know, they're doing unsafe things. But the whole idea is, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. Sure. And so I think, you know, when we allow things like social media or or other people who have a, a spiritual presence in our lives to dictate what we do and not seek God in those answers then we, we run the risk of, of turning them into idols. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yes, and I want to make a comment regarding what you said. Social media, I feel like that's something really huge today in our culture, such as, I mean, the obvious one is Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's so easy to make gods of things we can manipulate, okay. or even sometimes people we can manipulate than actually having a personal relationship with a living God. Hmm. So you're, I'm, what I'm hearing is that social media and some of these other uh, big time preachers and names can almost become auxiliaries for our uh, worship with God. We'll go to them for comfort. We'll spend time with them and they in turn become the same idols that God was trying to tell us to remove ourselves from. Exactly, because they become a distraction from their personal relationship with God. Now, as Marcellus mentioned, God is a living God. So by him being living, you have to spend, you know, it's just like if you're in a relationship with someone else or you're married, you've got to spend time with that person. And so if, you know, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook becomes the place you go to for all your time, whenever you're going through a situation or a crisis in this, in this instance, the first thing you do is turn to Facebook or Twitter and say, hey, I'm having this problem. What should I do? Hmm. And you're waiting for the answers there instead of going first to God and saying, hey, God, you know, I know you have my back. What should I do? What, what do you want me to do? And so, the, you know, as we said, those things become those idols. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, once we have, you know, all these idols, in some ways, we probably deserve a kind of rebuke. No? You know, we've probably gone too far. So who was Jeremiah rebuking, you know, back in his day? I think he's rebuking the entire, you know, all of Israel, you know, all the Israelites, because they, were, they had all begun to engage in idol worship. They were all you know, worshiping and, and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and it wasn't just limited to just the king and the false prophets, but it was the entire people, I believe. Jeremiah was here uh, rebuking the nation. He heard from God, uh, but it seemed like no one wanted to listen to him. Uh, what, what lessons can we learn, you know, from this? One of the things I, I 
learned as reading through Jeremiah is that there was a constant theme of the message was not, was not good. Jeremiah was not bringing a good message. You know, it's similar to how Jonah wasn't bringing a good message. But the difference is in Jonah, you know, the city of Nineveh, they heard and they acted and they realized, oh, we're doing something wrong. But in the, Jeremiah's case, they looked at that message and they said, that's not what these other prophets have been telling us. That's not what we've been hearing. We've, we've, everything's fine with us. Mm. You know, God hasn't told us we have a problem. So who are you? Mm. Who are you to tell us that there's something wrong? And they wanted to kill him. They wanted to, they really, were, they really, really did not want to hear that message. And I think for us as Christians today, we have to sometimes understand that the message God sends to us is not always going to be a positive message. That we are, we are sinners. And we, we have to understand that we're not perfect. And so God needs to bring change. And sometimes that change is, you know, not something we want to deal with. But we have to be willing to if we're going to continue our walk with Christ. Man, isn't it tough to, to just hear such a message when you, when you feel like you're, you're uh, part of the chosen people and, and you've been hearing promises from God that God is going to deliver you, that God is going to make you a great nation. And all of a sudden you hear to, uh, to repent and to, to uh, kings are asking for advice here. Like King Zedekiah, one of the last kings of, uh, of Judah, is going to, going to uh, Jeremiah and, and he says, hey, go to God, ask, ask, ask for me. You know, uh, I'll prophesy, let me hear a word. And it's not a good word. You know, uh, how, like, how would you feel? You know, you're hearing all this bad news. Uh, well, I think it really depends on your perspective, which I think your perspective really depends on your relationships. Okay. Um, because I don't think it's, to me, what I hear, oh man, I love Jeremiah so much because like, I, I get that he had it hard, but like, it's so, he's so esteemed to me. Like, I, and Job, like Job's another example, just someone that like, it's clear God is dealing with this person and that's exciting to me. So like, even if, if I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, get rid of everything that you have and leave all of it. God's talking to me, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm hearing him, I'm engaged with him. That's what the relationship is supposed to be about is communication. Um, and so if God's talking to me, that's positive to me. Though it can be like a negative in the sense of taking something away. But I think it really depends on your perspective. Um, because if you value the relationship more than whatever, the means or anything, then you're just like, all right, yeah, we're, mm -hmm. it's a good conversation like we're having now. Like, right. Or you might be like, no, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to have a conversation with you. <laughs> so like, if you say something that upsets me, like I'm not okay having that conversation. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Marcel. It's, it's the relationship. You know, at that point, the Israelites had gotten so far away from God that they didn't have that personal relationship. So when the bad news came that, oh, you're not doing things the right way, you've got to change, you need to turn around and stop worshiping these idols, they received it negatively. Hmm. Whereas opposed to someone like, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're excited. God's telling me something. I'm hearing something from God now. And, you know, they didn't want it. They didn't see it that way. They saw it as, well, I don't want to hear this. This goes against what, what I've learned. And when you think about it, this has been happening for generations. You know, this has been a situation that's, you know, you look in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel and, they're, and they're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Repent, yeah, stop everyone. worshiping. It's all, it's all the prophets. Yeah. So we're talking about generations of idol worship at this point. And it becomes their new norm. It becomes acceptable to the society that, oh, we can worship these idols. God doesn't have a problem with it. We've been going this long, and God hasn't done anything about it. Who, how are you going to tell me now that we can't do it? Mm -hmm. Very true. I mean, you, you see a lot of, uh, you know, leaders having messages for their people, but a lot of people may not want to listen. Mm -hmm. Some of those messages may be good. 
uh, you know, plans to prosper and not harm, as we often hear in Jeremiah 29:11, and some of them uh, could be a uh, much tougher message that, you know, uh, Jerusalem is going to be destructed. Some of them may even be false messages. We have prophets saying that, oh, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord didn't really tell them anything at all. And so in today's Christian world, we have a lot of people who are afraid to speak out against those who may be, uh, you know, be leading people in the wrong kind of way, but you're afraid to go and, and speak out against this particular individual. Mm -hmm. So does the example of Jeremiah help to move us forward in that situation? Definitely. I definitely agree because, I mean, personally, I would have been shaking in my boots, and I know Jeremiah must have been afraid as well. I mean, to go before these people, especially, you know, the prophets and the Pharisees that are like, we know the law, we know the word of God. Who are you to come to us and tell us this and then openly being like, put him to death. Like, that's it. <laughs> but isn't it tough? This yeah. is a guy that's saying, thus saith mm -hmm. the Lord. How much more direct can, can that well, be? Well, they all, all the prophets were. Mm -hmm. And Jer granted, granted, Jeremiah had contemporaries who were saying the same thing he was, mm -hmm. um, but like, all, every, all the prophets are like, yeah, this, the Lord told me this. And what's crazy, this is, yeah, Je Jeremiah, though I, I'm excited about it, I love his story, um, but no, it does not comfort me at all. Like, <laughs> it, it, it causes a crisis in me. Um, mm -hmm. it, it muddies the waters for me because it says that, like, constantly God, what God is trying to say runs counter to what you're expecting. Mm -hmm. um, and so every time I hear anything, I'm like, well, what is the opposite of it? Like, is that supposed to be like, because would I want to hear the opposite of this or do I want this? Like, I don't know. It really muddies the waters for me, but I know I'm, I'm an outlier. So, <laughs> But then, Marcellus, that that's tough. Well. I mean, you're here talking about muddy waters. Uh, so does that mean as Christians that we're always supposed to expect good news, that we're supposed to walk on clouds and, and you know, walk with... Uh, you know, it's supposed to be this wonderful, ethereal kind of feeling, you know, uh, is that supposed to happen during an entire Christian walk to the point where the minute we hear bad news, we don't believe it's, it's real? No, because even Jesus said, you know, says, you know, that it's not going to be easy, that your walk is not going to be one that doesn't have problems, that doesn't have challenges and mountains to overcome. So knowing that as a Christian, you, you know what you're walking into when you read the Bible. You know that you're walking into trying times. That when you read through Revelation and you see what's going to happen in the end times, you know that there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems and you, know, you have to be prepared for it. You have to have that relationship with God and mentally prepare yourself for the fact that you're going to have a challenge. And when you do, where do you run to first? You know, do you go to these idols that you have put in your life or do you go to God where you should go? And, and you have to strengthen that relationship. And I think Jeremiah, in this case, you know, it's, he's a great example of someone that, look at the relationship he has with God. You know, before he could even take the message, he has to have that relationship with God first for God to really be able to speak to him. And he, you know, he has to really love, he has to love God in order to be able to, to want to go to people and say, look, everything's going to be destroyed. You're going to be, you're going to be wiped out if we don't change. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a love thing. You know, he knows that it's not a, it's, he, I'm sure when he was getting this message, he was thinking, they're going to kill me. There's no way I'm going to walk out of that room alive. I can't go to the king and tell them that. Because when you think of these times, you know, in, in those type of, that, that type of day, you know, if you went to the king and said something negative, most likely you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Because the king didn't want to hear that. They were the one who felt, oh, I ruled everything. Mm -hmm. And the kings had gotten far from their relationship with God in the first place. So it's, it's one of those situations, it's a no win. 
you know, there's no way I can win this. Hmm. And, and I, but I think he understood what his reward was going to be later on, that doing, that doing what God wants him to do and, and following his, his will and his instruction was more important than his physical life. Did he, do you really believe that he understood his reward? I don't know. I, don't I wouldn't know if he understood yeah, his I don't, reward. I I could believe it, but I wouldn't say it with certainty, just because there there's so many options. Like even the thing of of him like having to love God and, and be in a relationship with God for God to even speak with him. Um, I'm not so sure about that either. I I think that it probably happened, but I wouldn't say that like. So if you're feeling like, well, I don't have a relationship with God, it does not mean that God's not about to talk to you. Like mm-hmm. he could definitely do that, and he will do it. The rocks will cry out. Like he. God communicates to us when he wants to communicate with us. It's, it's on his terms. Like, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, you're good. I think this is one of the things that brings me comfort about Jeremiah and this whole story is that, you know, he had to have had doubts. He did have doubts, mm. but he had faith, you mm. know, and I feel that if we have an open relationship with God where we listen to him and stick to his word, that he'll come through for us. Mm. So just like Jeremiah... Because, I mean, he was supposed to die. <laughs> That's very, very true. I mean, But God saved him from death. Well, Jeremiah, well, uh, I don't know. His end was... Well, he, his he end kind of died. Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. kind of died. Well, okay. well, for this first time. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, in that case, uh, you know, and for those, of, for those of viewers who may be just joining, we were talking about crisis, and we're talking about, you know, crisis maybe in our own lives, how we define crisis, and what was happening in the time of Jeremiah. So we're often told to stand up to external forces that challenge our Christian faith, right? So what does Jeremiah's message and our study teach us about the forces within the church that challenge our beliefs? You know, I think it's, it's a pretty deep question there mm-hmm. because many people don't want to question what they see or hear in church. But the reality is, is... Church is a place of all sinners. We're all sinners in church. So by nature, we're going to encounter some situations and things that may not be right. And we have to be willing to, to, to stand up. We have to be willing to, to put our faith to the test and trust in God that he'll deal with those things. Um, you don't necessarily have to do it. There, there are, of course, right and wrong, wrong ways to do it. You, know, you don't go necessarily to the top of the pulpit in the middle of service and shout at people. In, in the middle some of church. people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not, well, yes, some pastors do. <laughs> but but as, a, as a member of the church, you know, you just don't go rush up there and sure. do something like that. But you, you do it through relationships, through talking with people. You know, it's, but, you know, there are some times where it's big enough where you just have to do something. You have to say something. And you just, but you have to have an understanding of, of what God wants and, and have that relationship and also, you know, if he's, if he's told you, hey, look, I need you to deal with this. And there's times where, where God will give us a direction, a directive and say, hey, this, this is going on. I need you to deal with this. You're the best person to deal with this. This is the one, you're the one I want to use. And so we have to follow his leading. Isn't it tough to be a Christian today, though? You know, Marcellus and John and Evelyn, I mean, we, we all have a message here. God has given us a message. We're supposed to share it with the world. Uh, the message is supposed to have good news. Some people may look at it as bad news because it's telling them to to turn from their lifestyles and, and habits and, Repent. and, and, and repentance. And, you know, and so in some cases, when you talk about repentance, why is it so important for, for us, for, for, um, for me, for you to repent uh, uh, throughout this Christian walk? Repentance to me, you know, well, first you have to understand what repentance really is. Repentance is 
basically turning from what you're doing and doing a complete 180 and going the opposite way. It's not doing a 90 degree turn. It's not doing a full 360. It's a full 180 degrees from what you're doing. So understanding that you recognize that as a Christian, I'm not perfect. The only one who was sinless and blameless was Christ. So therefore, even though I accept Christ and he helps me to, to be without sin in many regards, I'm still not sinless. I'm still not blameless. So I still have work to go. And so that repentance is the acknowledging of that fact that, okay, well, I, I'm doing good with this thing. I, you know, I'm not lying, but hey, I'm still going out to the club one, you know, whatever night it is, or going out and partying, or going out and doing things that I shouldn't do, you know, saying things I shouldn't say. And so understanding that that still may be occurring, and I need to stop those things. So, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time. So it's almost like a check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yeah. though, it's specifically, or this, the thing that I see the most um, is specifically about idols. Um, and really, uh, anything can be an idol to me. Um, and the, the key is that there's, just like he was saying in the Gentiles, there's no life in them. Like, that's, that's the difference, is that there's, there's no life in these things. And I can promise you, this is Jeremiah's message, and I can promise you it holds true today, God's coming for your idols, whatever they are. He's going to come for them, and he's going to destroy them. Like, and it's going to hurt if you're well. Even if you are prepared for it, it can it can hurt. But like, he's coming for them, and there's no life in them. Um, so you, we should at least be able to take comfort in that. But oh man, does it hurt when he when he gets them? And I agree, and that's that's part of you know, the the overall message. There is you know whatever it is that you're doing in your life that you need to repent from it's often become an idol. It's often risen to the point where you're worshiping it. You know, if you're lying and you're, you can't do anything but lie, that's, that becomes your idol. That becomes the thing that you can't live without. Repentance is being able to walk away from those idols and step away and go, okay, I'm back to you, God. Mm. And as Christians today, I think sometimes we believe that we're exempt from repentance uh -oh. and some of these things because, for example, I mean, through baptism, we're reborn, and some people, oh, I'm baptized now, hmm. you know, I'm reborn, so I'm good, but they forget that we need to be reborn daily, hmm. constantly going to God through repentance and asking for His, for His guidance. You're right, you're right, and several hundred years later, Jesus would say, you know, to pick up your cross daily, mm -hmm. you know, and follow Him. So it's true, I mean, there's so many different things we make idols, you know, this cup, for instance, if... If I was in love with this cup and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> there's a messenger telling me, no, turn from this cup. <laughs> you know, this, this is an inanimate object. You know, I serve God. You know, God is not a cup. He can do uh, so many uh, greater things. But I think that was the ultimate crisis for them to realize they had to turn from the things that they had fallen in love with and to ultimately uh, follow God. Really quick, and, may, and maybe a sentence or two, what's your takeaway for today's, today's talk? I think for me, it's being aware of what I'm, I'm having relationships with. You know, being aware of, you know, if I'm putting too much emphasis in, in social media and those type of things and not my relationship with God. Okay. Um, God is a person. He's, he's alive. Um, it's, it's, a, it's real, um, whereas everything else is, is not. That's really dumb and, and trite, but that's, that's my takeaway. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, thank you very much. We appreciate your talk for uh, today's lesson. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. 
for Sabbath School U. I'm Elroy Bynum.